Hi everyone, and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White. I'm coming to you from the beautiful town of Weymouth in Dorset by the sparkling blue sea. It never rains, it's always sunny. This podcast began during lockdown. We galloped through or sauntered through many, many books of the Bible now. I'm a disciple of Jesus and my job is to encourage you and encourage other people to walk with him. Good morning, dear friends and saunterers. We are wrapping up 1 Peter today, and we're on, so we're on chapter 5, and this is a message particularly to elders and leaders within the church, so this is really interesting. So let's pray before we get launching in. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your word. Thank you that you love us, you speak to us, you're challenging us, you're growing us, you're discipling us every single day. And Lord, we submit our hearts to you today in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. So once again, Peter, um, 1 Peter chapter 5, and he is addressing particularly the elders. So he says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of sufferings of Christ, as well as a (laughs) as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight listen to this let's just read this through not under compulsion but willingly as god would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly not domineering those not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory right let's hold this thought so Peter, he is the the unrivaled champion of the early apostles until the apostle Paul comes along. And he could claim all kinds of things, couldn't he? He could pull rank in the most pull rankish kind of way possible. And he could say, listen, I'm one of Jesus's top guys. I'm one of Jesus's best friends. I was on the mountain. I saw all these things. I did this, blah, blah, blah. I walked on water. He said, oh, on this rock, I'll build my church. He doesn't say any of that. He just says, guys, as a fellow elder, he's putting himself on exactly the same level as the other elders within the churches that he's writing to. And he's saying, so I exhort you. It's like I'm appealing to you. I'm reaching out to you as a fellow elder, one of you. And this is our job. He said, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, which indeed we all are and all his listeners and readers are. So he's saying, come on, guys, we're in this together. We've received this incredible mandate, this incredible responsibility together. And now I'm appealing to you as your brother, as as a fellow elder. And this is his appeal. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, 
Now listen, let's just think about that for a minute. When Peter had denied Jesus and then Jesus rose again and there's this wonderful meeting on the side of the, the on the beach after the fishing um, expedition and Peter, Jesus is cooking fish. No one asks him how he's got them and he reinstates Peter in a very tender but kind of probing uncompromising kind of way he says Peter do you love me he asked him three times and each time Jesus comes back with this commission he says feed my sheep feed my lambs feed my sheep and so Peter has the one-time fisherman has taken this mantle on himself and taken this call to his right into his heart to shepherd the flock of God and we see the incredible humility I think of Peter in the way he kind of just opens up what the responsibility of a shepherd and an overseer of God's flock is we're looking after sheep they're God's sheep the flock of God we're not we don't even own the sheep it's not my church it's Jesus's church is God's church and he's given us this responsibility so he says exercising oversight so we're kind of diligently watching over the flocks by night and by day um and it's interesting isn't it you can go on and on and on about the role of a shepherd because the the um, middle eastern shepherds literally camped out with the sheep didn't they on the hillside they followed them around they led them to green pastures blah 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 all of those things that we're very familiar with it almost has become a cliche but if we think of it in terms of our leadership those of us who are called by God to lead um, and even just I say even just it and as parents we shepherd our children don't we we lead them into green pastures we make them like make them lie down in green pastures lead them by still waters we try and make them safe and secure and we provide for them and we watch over them and and lead them and it's the same thing and and so he's got a number of little words here so he says as a fellow elder which is presbyteros which is from where we get the idea of the presbyterian church it just means that it's overseen by a bunch of elders the actual word elder in greek just simply means older more mature wiser people the kind of chiefs of the tribe type of thing and and the elder was a very well established concept in at the time he's writing so it didn't have so to have elders in the church would have seemed perfectly normal perfectly reasonable this is what you do you have people who've been around a bit their experience they got some wisdom and now their job is to oversee the church but their their wisdom is from god is not just from being old so there is a difference actually it's worth saying that that just because you're old does not qualify you to be an elder um so um he says shepherd the flock of God the word there is poimeno uh, which is uh, occurs a couple of times in the New Testament it really is the one we get pastor from and it's a shepherd is a good word it's kind of to do with taking care feeding nurturing um, governing the flock of God 
and exercising oversight, which is another word which has been adopted, episcopeo, which has become bishop, episcopos is the term people use for bishop. All of these words are sort of interchangeable in church leadership, and I think it's it's just typical of us that we make them into ranks. They were never ranks. Peter says, that this, is, this is the level of seniority that I have. I'm an elder. Actually, he could have said, I'm the chief apostle. Didn't. He didn't try any of that stunt. He didn't say, I'm the senior apostle of this movement. He just said, I'm a fellow elder. And come on, guys, if we're in leadership, let's get off our high horses. Stop taking ourselves, giving ourselves such important titles. And let's just understand that the very highest we can achieve in terms of hierarchy within this leadership thing is a fellow elder. That's just cool, isn't it? So he says... Uh, so we're doing our job not under compulsion. It's not like someone's put a gun to our head and said, you've got to do this. And if that's our approach, let's stop it, because that's not what that's not what God is looking for in leadership. People who are do, doing it just because they have to. He's looking for people who are doing it willingly, voluntarily, who've submitted our hearts voluntarily to his lordship. And we're doing it eagerly. We're, 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 it's, a, it's a delight. It's a joy. We've got a spring in our step as we get up to preach, as we turn up for things and look after people and go and visit the sick and everything else. So we're taking care of people eagerly because we're called to do it. We're invited to do it by God. And, he, and he's given us this incredible responsibility, which is awesome. And so he says... But we're not doing it for shameful gain. Here's a pitfall. And there are those who've made a fine career out of shepherding God's flock and um, have made a lot of money out of it. Not sure that is actually what what it was ever about. It was always about leading, being in amongst the sheep and laying our lives down. And he says, not, we're not doing it for shameful gain. So I don't know whether they got salaries back in those days. Probably not. But maybe they were looked after by the church and given food and support and so on. And I guess it would have been possible for elders, even at that st- this stage of church history, to be taking bribes or receiving kickbacks somehow from people to give them favor or to get them into some kind of position or I don't know it's it seems as old as the hills I mean even to the time when um, Simon the magician says to um, Peter and whatnot he says give me this gift let me give you some money so that I can put my hands on people I guess there were opportunities weren't there and all the way through the scripture right from the old testament to the new there is this kind of thing this is not we're not in this to make ourselves rich we're in it to to serve the over shepherd to serve this great shepherd of the sheep who's entrusted us with his precious lambs to take care of Righty-ho. So, and he says, you're not to be domineering. So not domineering over those in your charge. And there's sometimes, oh man, I see pastors and it makes me feel tired and old. And I look at them and I think, you think you're so important. The way you speak, you come across as if you're so important. I kind of think, oh gosh, it pains me. And I think I just don't see that in 
Peter and Paul and James and these other guys, they, they do, they serve. They have incredible authority and they're not afraid to use it, but they serve relentlessly as as servants and shepherds. And, and so not domineering over those in your charge. We're not using human methods of control. Anyone who thinks that control and manipulation and bullying and oh, coercion and all of these things have got any part in Christian leadership, you are so mistaken, my dear friend. And so come back to Peter. Let Peter instruct you. The first, yeah, I mean, he, oh gosh, he is such a great example. And the humility that comes out in this letter is absolutely stunning and so he says we're not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock how do you be an example you live the stuff you're preaching you exemplify it if we're talking about servanthood then we should be servants more than any if we're talking about generosity we should be generous more than any if we're do you know what I mean? If we're talking about prayer, then we should be praying more than any. If we're talking about acts of kindness, we should be doing acts of kindness more than any. It should be just running through our veins like the... Oh. Anyway, so being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, who is that? Jesus, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So what Peter is saying, once again, we need to understand the context. He's talking about what is precious. He's saying this stuff now is not where we get rich this moment now is not where we line our feather our nest and create a name for ourselves and give ourselves glory it's when the chief shepherd appears we receive the crown of glory an unfading crown of glory which is so much better than all the accolades and all the rewards and mbes or anything else that people can give us on this earth um this is this is the reward, the unfading crown of glory. And that's what Peter was looking for, wasn't it? He wasn't looking for accolades from men. He was looking to he was I believe Peter was waiting for that day when he would look at his precious Jesus once again in the face and hear Jesus say, Peter, you did well, son. That's what Pete was running for. That's what our dear friend Peter was running for that's what the apostle Paul was running for to meet the great shepherd of the sheep and to hear that well done you did well that's the unfading crown of glory then verse 5 he's going back into this idea of submission which he's talked about quite a bit as like I said it's quite a difficult topic for us um 21st century westerners to deal with but actually it's so biblical and you should, if you've only listened to this one, go back over the other one, the other sessions, the other episodes and have a listen to as we talk about submission in the context of this letter. And he says, likewise, you who are younger, submit, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. Why? For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So there we go. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There's your fridge magnet one for today. Stick it on your fridge. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What is grace? It's his gift. It's his favor. It's his kindness. It's the stuff we don't deserve. All of his goodness that we don't deserve 
coming as a gift, but he gives grace to the humble. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, and then he goes, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And that's the right. That's getting our order correct, isn't it? Humble ourselves to him. Humble ourselves to each other. Humble ourselves to him. Humble ourselves to each other. Humble yourselves, therefore, to the mighty under the mighty hand of God, so that in proper time, it, the, at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Pause for a second. Humble yourselves to God, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. He will exalt us, he's promised that he lifts up the humble, and in his time he will exalt us. And some people will literally wait their whole lives to be exalted in the presence of God when they finally cross that line into eternity. Some people receive a, an, a certain amount of honour and um, in a good way in this life. Some people receive loads and loads of honour in this life and it's a bit of a challenge really and it can become a temptation and we'll just see how that goes on in a second. So he says, Cast all your anxieties onto him. He's not saying you won't ever have anxieties, but when they come, what do we do? We cast them onto Jesus. We throw them onto him. We literally offload our anxieties onto Jesus. Why does he say that? Because these people we've already seen are going through this extreme pressure of persecution and heartache and difficulty and they've been exiled and scattered around the Roman Empire. And he's saying, cast all your anxieties onto him. What anxieties would you have as someone who is being persecuted? You'd be anxious for where you're going to sleep. You'd be anxious about the knock on the door or the door being kicked in by a bunch of soldiers. You would be anxious about the safety of your children if they ran out into the street to run an errand for you. You'd be anxious about whether they would come home or not. Peter's saying, cast all your anxieties onto him. Throw them onto him. Offload them. How often do we do that? Every day. Every hour, maybe. Offload those anxieties onto Jesus, for he cares for you. And he says, um, be sober-minded, be sober-minded. Don't get carried away with ideas of grandeur or fanciful notions. Be sober-minded, be watchful. What are we watching out for? Well, I guess they were watching all the time for what was going to happen, but he, what threats might appear. But he says, your adversary, the devil, prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Listen to verse 9. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And I was just thinking um, in terms of going back to the, the, the elders and leaders of God's flock, there is something about walking in humility before God all the time that helps us to resist the devil. If we can bear in mind all the time that we're we're under shepherds, we're serving Jesus, the flock isn't ours, they don't owe us anything really. 
Um, it's Jesus who looks after us and provides for us and pays our salaries or whatever it is. And one of the big temptations, it seems to me, is that as leaders gain some kind of profile and gain some kind of reputation, notoriety around the neighbourhood and um, people are listening to their stuff and showing up to their church, giving loads of money, that kind of thing. They can. It is easy for us to start to feel entitled and to start to feel like we're an exceptional case. And I've heard this again and again, where pastors come, kind of say to themselves inwardly, they begin to believe a lie that somehow the pressures on them are unusually bad, unusually challenging, and therefore they're entitled to X, Y, or Z and or i need this because of the press the unusual pressures on me because of my job and then they start to allow themselves indulgence into sin and all this kind of stuff so the devil is looking he's he's like a roaring lion he's not a roaring lion jesus is a lion the devil is like this kind of toothless monster who walks around and stalks the streets and is looking for people who are putting themselves into a position of compromise in the moment we will do that he's got his opportunity and he seizes on us and begins to drag us off into his domain because the moment we start to deceive ourselves you see the devil is the father of lies and self-deception is where sin starts is where we kind of think it's like when you're a kid and someone offers you a cigarette and they just say one drag won't hurt you it's probably not such a thing it's more like vapes now isn't it but when i was a kid it's like one drag won't hurt you no it probably won't but it might be the thing that makes you addicted to smoking Anyway, so that's that's what the devil's like, and he tells us that surely, with the pressures you're under, you you deserve a bit of something just for you, and we can fall into that trap as easy as we can just. And when we think we're doing good, that's the time to be most vigilant, and we need our friends around us. We need people who will speak the truth to us. But he says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So this pressure, this temptation, difficulties, the testing, all these things that these guys are experiencing, the persecution, everything else is common to being a Christian. This is not just you. You're not being singled out for bad stuff. This is going on all around the world. Verse 10, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will, is, will himself, himself, Jesus himself, that beautiful saviour who's gone before, Jesus himself will restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Wow. And so I believe that we can expect not just return and pay back from Jesus in the life to come but I think it's normal as well to receive those those periods of time where it's like you've been cycling uphill and you're literally without any breath left in your body and you're pushing and you're just about to fall off from exhaustion and then it starts to flatten out and you start to experience just a little bit of reprieve and then you're going downhill and it's what we call what cyclists like to think of as a bit of payback and there are those moments in our lives and in ministry where the Lord just 
pours in favour and he does confirm and restore and strengthen and establish us even in this life and we shouldn't just think that this life is a massive slog and then we die and then it all gets better then I think we we are also looking for those times when God just pours into us and restores us and renews us he restores my soul Psalm 23 that was the title of our conference in Ukraine he restores my soul he restores my soul who does it Jesus does it he might do it through a brother or sister but it's him it's his ministry to us when he comes and washes the disciples feet he's precisely doing that he's ministering to them and if we will just draw aside to be with Jesus on this journey however tough and however sometimes our strength seems to flag we will find there he is on his knees with our sandals off washing our feet restoring confirming strengthening and establishing us to him be all dominion forever and ever amen right then he just wraps up with a couple of greetings by sylvanus which is silas and uh, many would say by this he means that Silas is the scribe who's writing this letter for him because as we said Peter probably wasn't that great at writing and probably wasn't that great at Greek because he wasn't uh he wasn't formally educated but Silas the friend of Paul Sylvanus a faithful brother as I regard him I have written briefly to you so by Sylvanus I have written briefly to you exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God stand firm in it so I've given you this letter I've given you these instructions now stand firm in them and those of us who've been through this little brief study on this letter let's stand firm in the things that God has revealed to us even through these last few days and then he says she who is in Babylon who is likewise chosen sends you greetings and so does Mark my son greet one another with the kiss of love peace to all of you who are in Christ so he's saying like there's some other people who send their greetings she who is in Babylon has been variously kind of supposed to be number one Peter's wife possibly not Um, number two the church in Rome maybe church in Babylon church in Jerusalem could be any of those it doesn't really matter it's just some he's just saying we're not on our own there's another bunch of people here cheering us on and cheering you on and Mark sends his greetings is just that lovely personal touch at the end and give each other a kiss of love kiss of yeah greet each other with the kiss of love it wasn't something new that Peter was establishing it was just their customary greeting but he's saying like give each other a big kiss it's like saying give someone a big hug from me and so there's the apostle Peter signing off give give everyone a big hug from me is that beautiful have an amazing day Dave Farmer Lorna Peck Isaac Ledley Phil Reed Farah God bless you all and let's keep walking this walk now there's going to be a pause over the weekend and we'll be back on with um, to Peter on Monday God bless you If you've enjoyed this podcast, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I hope for. Please do share it, like it, pass it on, get it out there. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day.